Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Mac Carroll. You know us. We are the guys at ReviewingBrew.com. Check it out for all your latest brewers updates, news, and analysis. And there is a whole bunch going on in the world of baseball as the calendar flips to September. But wait a minute. Matt, my th- I think my calendar has a typo. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not September. It is Craig Timber. Craig Timber. Let's go. Yes. The rosters have expanded only by two. Craig Timber doesn't have quite the same magic as it did when he had 40 players, essentially, on his team. <laughs> but it's still a whole lot of fun. And we are in the final month of the season, and the Milwaukee Brewers are in first place. It is only by uh, three games, but, you know, the winning streak did have to come to an end eventually they ran the winning streak up to nine and Matt, it was a lot of fun. It really was. There's a lot of lucky breaks that happened there, but it comes to an end in Chicago. Unfortunately, the team chasing Milwaukee and Chicago takes two of three and, you know, the weather just wouldn't cooperate, uh, but there were a whole bunch of uh, other issues with those final two games in Chicago. But it's just it's just unfortunate that we couldn't bury him because I would love I would so love Matt to have buried those Cubs right away. Yeah, it would have been great. Um, you think about that series and the Brewers outscored the Cubs, outscored them eight to six. The problem was six of the Brewers eight runs came in that very first game and they just didn't have enough for the final two. Um, but the Brewers did overall perform well. They were hitting some balls hard in that second game in particular when the wind was really, really blowing in. The Brewers could have had maybe three homers if that were in a normal park. Um, I know one of the ones out to left, I don't think it was the Adamas homer, but uh, one of the, I think maybe it was like Canna flied out or something. Uh, they said it would have been a, a home run in 28 of 30 ballparks. And the, one of the two it wasn't happened to be in Wrigley. So, like, the Brewers were hitting the ball well against a pitcher in Justin Steele, who's really good. Um, and they just could not quite end up scoring. Uh, Corbin Burns ends up having a really good game. The Brewers don't end up scoring any runs. Brandon Woodruff does well, and the Brewers only barely score after that. And, you know, they end up dropping the series. So, it's not like the Brewers performed poorly because the Cubs didn't actually even perform that well comparatively, but they end up dropping the series. So it is what it is. It's a it's a road series loss, which, you know, that happens. And the Cubs aren't a bad team right now anyway. So you you end up ending the month with a loss. But overall, the month of August was very good for the Brewers. And you're set up well to finish out the season of September in September here which outside of this uh, next series against the Phillies sets up pretty favorably for the Brewers at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it it really does. I mean, the Brewers are going to have a lot of games at home here the rest of the way. Um, And I mean, they're in a good spot. They're up by three games in the division heading into the final month. Yes. It would have been nice to be up by more, but it's, it's not a bad spot to be in. You're in first place heading into the final month. I'd prefer that to being in second place. And I'm not going to read too much into this Cubs series because, yes, there, you know, there was the wind. 
there were some issues. There was some batted ball luck that didn't go their way when they had a lot that went that did go their way during that nine game winning streak. And, you know, it was also maybe a little bit of the, the one run game thing uh, coming back to them because they had such a good record in one run games and then they lose two of them back to back. And, you know, eventually it always balances out and you just kind of hope it, it doesn't stick this way as a trend. Um, but, but you're not going to stay at, at that high of a record in one run games forever. Uh, eventually you're going to get a couple of losses in there. So I'm not reading too much into this Cubs series loss. I think the Brewers are still fine. I, I still think they got a division-winning team. Um, and then just kind of when you get into October, anything can happen. That's that's just the the nature of, of how it's going to go. So I'm not too worried about it. And now you got uh, you got Philly coming up, and it's it's just go time, man. It, it's September. It's Craig Timber, and it's it's time to go. Yeah, you look at the uh, the month that's coming up, and um, let me pull it up here a little bit. Um, I know they have two series left against the Marlins, who were for a while um, playoff contenders a little bit, but they have definitely started the fade. They are now under 500 for the year, um, and so that is a much easier couple of series than it looked like originally. It's seven games, actually, against Miami, so not not even just six. Um, they've got a series against the Pirates. They've got a series against the Yankees, and we know what's happened to them. The uh, Nationals, which I know we lost that series to the Nationals earlier, but this one's at home. Um, St. Louis coming up uh, twice, actually, and the St. Louis is doing terribly right now. And then Chicago to end it. And so, again, like once you're past the Philly series, and at least the Philly series is at home, so that's that's a good thing. Um, the the schedule is relatively easy so it's it's about as favorable as it could be for the brewers and so when you're especially when you're looking at them now versus last year the brewers are in so much better of a space they the vibes are a lot better they are they finished the month of august they swept four series in the month of august so really things post trade deadline went so much better in 2023 than they did in 2022 um, it's, it's just generally looking a lot more positive for them. And yes, it, it, like you said, it would have been nice to have created a little bit of distance between them and the Cubs, but they didn't. And it's okay. They, they lost the series of the Cubs. They got swept by the Dodgers too. And you know what? That wasn't the end of the world either because they ended up sweeping three series after that. So you, you can never read too terribly much into one series, especially when it's on the road. And so, no worries about what what just happened. You shake it off and you just move on to the next. And the Brewers, by all rights, should be just fine. Yeah, they they will. And uh, now we've got roster expansion coming up. Um, and as we're we're sitting here recording on the night of the 31st, we don't exactly know who it's going to be yet. But shortly after this podcast gets posted, we're going to find out. Uh, so that's going to make this this exercise uh, very much, uh, you know, maybe a short shelf life. Uh, but Matt, uh, who do we see, who do we think is, is going to be coming up here? I think we've got a couple of options um, to look at. And to put this article up on the site uh, the other day, you know, 12 candidates that are, that are deserving of, of getting a September call up. One of them already did get called up JB Bukoskis, uh, by the way, he is already up uh, and in the bullpen uh, as uh, the brewers saw, 
uh, who was it that went on, on the injured list here? Oh, no, Hauser. Hauser, yes, of course, yeah, because he had the uh, the elbow issue. Um, so he goes on the IL, which means that there is a rotation spot that is open. Uh, that is going to be filled on Saturday. That That's Hauser's next turn. And uh, J.P. Pekoskis is not a starter, which means they're likely going to have to call up a starter uh, to fill his role. And the Brewers just so happen to have an open 40-man roster spot after Bennett Souza was claimed off waivers by the Detroit Tigers. So, Matt, that leaves open a couple of possibilities. Because you do have the 40-man option, guys. you got Colin Ray, you got Eric Lowry, you got Jansen Junk. But you also have the non-40-man guys who can get the call now. you got Robert Gasser, for one. Uh, you got Evan McKendry, who was acquired in a trade a month ago. Uh, there is Jason Alexander. I don't think he's particularly likely. Uh, but there is Jason Alexander. Uh, so, Matt, where do you think we're going here? Do you think we're going with Gasser? Or I saw Colin Ray got pushed from his start today. So where do you where where do you see this going? I think it's got to be between those two. Yeah, and I was really hoping it was going to be Robert Gasser. I think that would be excitement wise the best thing for Brewers fans. He has performed really well for the Sounds all season. He's got his ERA back in the threes at this point. He is leading AAA all of AAA, not just the International League, all of AAA in strikeouts for the season. Um, he has done everything he's needed to do at the AAA level. That said, Colin Ray was originally a uh, one of the scheduled starters for today, and he was not a scheduled starter anymore once uh, things updated for the day. The two starters ended up being Julio Turan, who did not have a great start for the sounds tonight, by the way, um, as well as Yoboy. Caleb Bosley, so uh, who actually had pitched in relief in his last appearance, so he was actually added to today um, to start when he wasn't originally supposed to start. So the fact that they pushed Colin Ray from today, scratched him, I should say, from today, I think all but seals the deal that he will indeed be the starter for Saturday. Gasser is still listed as the probable for Friday, for actually tomorrow. Um, so at 5.35 p.m., when tomorrow's game starts, if Robert Gasser is officially on the mound at that point, I think um, that that definitely means that he won't be the starter on Saturday in Adrian Hauser's spots. Um, I think it is all but certain at this point it's Colin Ray. And he filled in very admirably earlier this year um, as a starter for the Brewers. It just so turned out that Hauser was performing better and didn't have AAA options or minor league options. Mm-hmm. So it made more sense that he ended up keeping a roster spot over Ray once Woodruff ended up coming back. Um, but now they need someone with Hauser out. And the Brewers already said that they're not going to bump the starters forward, even with the day off today. So I think Saturday is when you see Colin Ray. And I will be at that game, and I guess I get to see Colin Ray <laughs> starting again. I get to see Colin Ray pitch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's it certainly seems like it's it's definitely leaning that way. And we'll find out. Yeah. Around some point here on on Friday, the Brewers are going to make their uh, announcements as to who the roster additions are likely before we we have to see Robert Gasser take the mound uh, down there in Nashville. And 
if he's not among them, then he's going to be taking the mound uh, down there. So it, it seems like, like that's the way that it's going. Um, but they do have an open 40-man spot. And, I mean, they could use that perhaps elsewhere, um, perhaps on a hitter, perhaps on a top-hitting prospect hmm. who has made his way to AAA Nashville. Hmm. Uh, Matt, you might know him as one Tyler Black. Ah, yes. Perhaps we could see Tyler Black end up getting the call uh, to to come up and, and be the extra infielder. He's got experience at three infield spots, third base, second base, first base. Uh, he can he can help out, and perhaps uh, he is the guy. I that would make a little bit would more that sense. Be fun? At this point, it would be a ton of fun, and I I know there were some fans that were even calling for Tyler Black to be called up when he was still in Double A. Um, and you know what? These days, calling someone up from Double A is not that crazy of a possibility. Um, Heck, Looking even at the you, Angels, Angels called up uh, Nolan Shanwell from Double A after being drafted this season, and he actually started off with like a six-game hit streak or something. So, yeah, like you can call up whoever the heck you want these days. That's about the only good thing that's happened to the Angels in the last. Oh week. my God, it's yeah. Thank God you're not listening to a Angels podcast at this point because, my lord. We'd need something a hell of a lot stronger than a cold brew. That's for damn sure. Yeah, you would need a therapist on the podcast (laughs) as well as just, uh, oh, my gosh. We're from Wisconsin. Uh, Alcohol is our therapy. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, that's true. Um, But anyway, it's but Tyler Black moved his way up to AAA, and I know he started off kind of. A little, a little cold. Well, he, he had a he had a solid on base streak, but his numbers took a little bit to kind of you know really start to show that. But now he's looking good. Um, his OPS and his average are a little bit more up there. He is an on place base guy. He is the Brewers drafted him as one of those guys like um, like Sal Freelick, like Garrett Mitchell, guys who just get hits, get on base, do what they need to do, and he is someone who could definitely help the Brewers offense. And I I know that's someone who a lot of us were hoping would be that guy that would end up being called up. Um, And now that maybe Gasser isn't necessarily going to get that extra roster spot, maybe Tyler Black will. Maybe, or maybe there's a different uh, corner infielder that a lot of people have a affinity for that could end up getting that call that's currently not on the 40 man and yes of course i'm speaking of one keston hura who has been lighting up triple a this year and the conversation is going to be there again it's going to be there until keston hura is either called up or until he's out of the organization entirely and maybe he's played his way into that role maybe not uh, but keston hura with that open 40 man spot he is a possibility uh, that they could go with if they want some added thump, um, if, if they feel like he's figured it out enough at the plate. I don't envision it being Keston Hero, but the fact that there is an open 40-man roster spot opens the door to it a little bit at least. But I think with some of the other options that the Brewers have, uh, Owen Miller, Jemai Jones, Abraham Toro. Toro, I really feel like should get a little bit more run because what we've seen in such a small sample size has been so good. But... Hira is at least a possibility. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think of it. I, I know that you 
like you now have uh, Carlos Santana, you have uh, Telez back on the roster. You've you've got kind of some guys who fit that Canada that can play there. Position. Yep, exactly. He just was actually in this last game, and so like you have more people who fit there. I I still feel like the Brewers, knowing that they have control over him and can still bring him back next year, are either trying to give him a full season to show off his uh, trade value or are just waiting to see what happens over the offseason and then give him a chance to make the roster next spring. So I just I, – I know that, like, we've seen what he's done. We've seen what he's done all year. We've talked about – how many times have we talked about him on the podcast? Like, so many yeah. times this season. Um, I just – I, I feel like if they were going to bring him up, they would have at this point. And so the fact that they haven't, like, I just – I'm not – I'm not counting on it at this point. So it, it would be nice if they did. And you know what? That would be a fun jolt. Um, but I don't know. I guess I, I, I feel like that position is a little bit full. And maybe if they do bring someone up on the offensive side, it is someone more like the Tyler Black or someone else who was recently added to the organization. Yes. Yes. We have to get into that as well. And, you know, maybe for an extra roster spot guy, you're thinking of maybe someone who can be a, a pinch runner off the bench who can steal a base or two. That's Tyler Black. Tyler Black can do that easily. Uh, but yes, another member, that, a new member of the organization that is here now. And we are, of course, talking about Josh Donaldson. And I'll tell you what, Matt, if this was 2015, I'd be pretty damn excited <laughs> about this. But uh, Josh Donaldson is a Brewer, or more accurately, he is a Nashville Sound uh, right now. The Brewers signed him to a minor league deal. He was released by the New York Yankees uh, after a, uh, let's see, what's the word, tumultuous timber uh, tenure with the Bronx Bombers. And, yeah, he had an awful season this year. And he deserved to get released uh, based on his numbers. And, and it was kind of time for him to, to get out of there. And a lot of people, Matt, are not exactly thrilled with the idea of Josh Donaldson. <laughs> now, it is a minor league deal, so it's no risk. Um, but it's Josh Donaldson. He has passed his prime. He's got a reputation uh, about what he is in the clubhouse that, that precedes him that not a lot of people are going to like. Uh, so it, it seems like there's at least some risk uh, involved with bringing Donaldson into the fold if they end up calling him up to the big leagues at all. Yeah, um, it, it that's a, the thing. Like, the fact that he was signed to a minor league deal, I, I was hoping this whole time that they were talking about these rumors today. And that all happened very fast, by the way. Um, they yeah. announced that rumor. It literally went this out. Morning. I don't know if, I don't know if uh, Ken Rosenthal literally scheduled the tweet because it went out at noon on the dot. Um, oh. I, I was like, oh, that's that seems a little too perfect. Um, but... noon was when they announced the potential that the Brewers were quote unquote considering signing him. And then I think it was four or five o'clock or so um, that the signing became official. Yeah. But the signing was as a minor league deal. And that is absolutely perfect. Minor league deals are never a bad thing because you are under no obligation to call a player up to the majors at that point. So you sign him to a minor league deal. You see how he does with the sounds. If he sucks, great. You leave him there. 
and you never think about it again, and that's totally yeah. fine. If he rakes, then you call him up, and maybe you end up having this guy who ends up propelling you into the playoffs, and not only that, but ends up, you know, being a contributor on a playoff roster. Like, we've seen that in the past with other teams where guys end up joining a team late and end up providing this late surge and end up carrying them through the playoffs. Like, who knows? He, outside of the last two seasons, and yes, the last two seasons were bad. Like, last year he played 132 games. He had an OPS of 682. That's not good. This year, he only played in 33 games because he was fighting injuries all season. He batted a whole 142, which is just god-awful. How he ended up with 10 home runs in 33 games is actually kind of amazing, to be honest. (laughs) Um, But, like, yes, these last two seasons have been bad. But previous to that, even if you just go back to two years ago, um, in 2021 with the Twins, like he had an 827 OPS. That's pretty damn good. He's a three-time All-Star. Uh, he's re- he received MVP votes in six different seasons. Uh, he was the AL MVP in 2015. Led yeah. the league in RBIs with 123. Like the 100 uh, actually also led the league with 122 runs scored as well. Like this is a guy who's had solid offensive seasons, but he's also damn near 40. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like he's, he's got he, a lot. He's of- a little uh, past his prime. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let Let me tell you. And, I- and here's the thing too, like like with his struggles this year. Yeah. He has put up historically the worst batting average on balls in play. Yep. In major league history. Yep. Like uh, of anyone with with a hundred plate appearances, he has the worst BABIP of anybody in history. And, like, yes, you, you can, like, like there are parts of, of Babbitt, and luck is certainly part of it. And he has had the worst luck of anybody this season, of anybody really of all time. And there's more that goes into it than just luck. But when it's that historically low, luck is definitely going to be a major factor. Um, and, and it's some bad luck. And granted, the Brewers have had their issues, you know, hitting into bad luck. You know, they had that in the Dodgers series. Um, and you know, you don't really want to get a bad luck hitter, but eventually that luck's got to turn, right? You know, eventually he can't stay having that horrible of a bad hit for forever. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, like that's, that's overly bad luck when it comes to balls in play. And so like, yes, that at some point that's got to positively regress progress i guess that would technically be to the mean um and so we'll see if that happens and then you know what the minor leagues are a perfect spot to be able to see that um and so we'll see what happens and i I think it's interesting as well excuse me that um you, you look at the brewers and where they are at third base that is one position where they could still potentially use some help um they traded away Luis Arias earlier. Uh, Brian Anderson was doing well originally to start the season. He has cooled off for really several months. I know he has been, he was on the IL for a little bit there. Andrew Monasterio was doing, you know, pretty well, and he had earned himself quite a bit of playing time. But he is really, you know, Ken Rosenthal mentioned that in his tweet that um, Monasterio is now in the 600s for OPS over the month of August. And so his back is down quite a bit. What's that? 
I believe he's sub 600. He, I, I thought it was. I can't. That was like 590. Um, it, well, it's not good, regardless. And yeah, yeah either Ontario way, it's bad. also is a below average defender um, for the season, and so you've got that. And the Brewers this year have gotten by on solid pitching and solid defense, and so you look at someone now in Donaldson, and for someone who's 38 years old. The Yankees were still trotting him out at third base, and he's got, in his limited time, he's in the positive and outs above average at third base at 37 years old. He's a good defender. He's actually still a halfway decent defender at third base, better than Monasterio, probably not as good as Brian Anderson, but the point being, if, if you can see that in his time in the minor leagues that he actually can turn things around and provide something even remotely average offensively, he might actually be your best option at third base. Yeah. Like it's crazy to say that, but look at what the Brewers have right now for third baseman that they don't really have a lot unless, yeah. unless they decide to call up a guy like Tyler Black. That's the guy. Yes. About That'll be very fun. But like, yeah. that's what you're looking at. Like those may be your two upgrades, quote unquote, yeah. at third and base. That's why they bring in a guy like Donaldson. Yeah. And it, and it sounds very similar too to what we were saying back at the trade deadline with, with guys like Mark Canna and Carlos Santana, you know, their, their numbers aren't going to blow you out of the water, uh, but they're an improvement over what you have. Mark Canna's right. massive improvement over Rymel Tapia and, and Blake Perkins and what the Brewers were rolling out there in right field for most of the year. And Carl Santana was was a massive improvement over what they're having with with Owen Miller and, and Rowdy Teleza at the position. So it's you know it, it may not be the the sexiest of improvements. You know Josh Johnson's a, a big name, or at least he used to be. Um, but even just getting marginally better at, at that position makes your lineup that much better, which makes you that much more potentially dangerous when you get to October because pitching and defense is still what this team is going to thrive on. And Donaldson does bring good defense. And if he can bring just a decent enough bat, um, that's going to make the lineup that much better and make them that much more dangerous uh, in October. So we'll see how it goes. We'll we'll see how long it takes. The Brewers are going to send him to to AAA. He's going to get some at-bats up. He's not going to be a September 1st call-up. Uh, but he could be called up later on if if Monasterio can, continues to struggle um, or, or whatever they decide to do at the at the position. So it's going to take some time, but uh, we could see him. We could we could not see him at all. Uh, but Matt Arnold really doesn't sound concerned with the with the clubhouse issues. He did mention because uh, he was asked about it. Uh, he said Donaldson's a baseball rat. Uh, he has an edge to him in a good way. Uh, that that's how he's describing that. And he also, Matt Arnold also said, we, we also have a strong culture here. We feel we have a really strong foundation. So Matt Arnold isn't concerned about the culture fit. Um, you know, they, they've got a very strong one, strong base to work with. And Donaldson's just going to have to come right in. And I feel like he's got to understand, like, look, you're coming in last month of the season. You were just released because he sucked so bad. Like you're just gonna have to fit in and and go along with with what we got because you're you're just a last second addition. Yeah, and that was something I thought about a little bit is is the Brewers clubhouse almost like 
bad attitude proof a little bit. Like they're they have such a strong culture that it it seems like a lot of people coming into it if they had that reputation, you know, it, it might also it might almost just like cancel that out a little bit. And I also, you know, I I, I would have to look back a little bit into the whole Donaldson clubhouse issues from the past, but I also feel like a lot of those things get overblown a lot. Like there was the whole Jesse Winker thing where one guy said that, you know, he had issues in the clubhouse, but no one else could really corroborate it. The same thing kind of happened a little bit with Hunter Renfro. Recently it actually happened with Pete Alonzo as well. Like there was one report that, and it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a very substantiated report that uh, Pete Alonzo was helping create a toxic environment in New York. And then all of a sudden, like all, not, not even not only current players were um, speaking out against that, like Max Scherzer was speaking out against it and he's not even on the team anymore. He had nothing to lose. He had no reason to, yeah. um, you know, have to say that the Mets clubhouse was fine. And he said the Mets clubhouse was fine. So I, I don't like, I will admit, I don't, I haven't studied that much on the whole, like what Donaldson's attitude and, you know, whatever is yeah. like, but I also feel like, I feel like so much of that, like one person says it's bad and then it just, the rest of the internet runs with it. So I, I, yeah. I don't know, but it's, but again, it's like, not the, like the, the white Sox where you had multiple people kind oh, of yeah. come out and be like, yeah, we got uh, some clubhouse uh, issues around here. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, and it's corroborated by like several sources. So, like, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on it, but again, like, the Brewers Clubhouse is so strong. The only time we really saw it get in a bad place was last year when they traded one of the team's best players and didn't let anyone know it was coming and also didn't, you know, have a great backup plan to uh, to make things better once they traded Hader away. And so, like, yes, obviously things got bad at that point, but it's also been recognized and dealt with now, and things are uh, seem to be in a much better spot. So, it, like, things seem to be back to normal for the Brewers. The vibes are good. The clubhouse culture is good. It generally is that way under Craig Council. And so I don't see one person like Josh Donaldson coming in and ruining that. Also, like, if he comes in to a culture where you're winning, anyone who comes into a culture where you're winning is generally going to just act, conduct themselves a little bit better. And so I just, I don't, that's not something that worries me at all. If Donaldson uh, ends up producing well at AAA and ends up being added to that roster, I have zero concern that he's going to be a quote unquote issue in the clubhouse. Yeah. It's it's not going to be a, a major problem, I don't think. And, and the Brewers have a good thing going right now. And I don't think bringing a guy like Donaldson is going to cause issues. And even if it does, the Brewers would just cut bait. If he's being that much of a problem, they'd be like, okay, we don't we don't need this kind of a headache around here trying to screw things up as we head towards the end of the season. And I don't think Donaldson wants to screw things up either because he wants to make the playoffs. He knows this is where it's going to have to happen. He wants a ring just like everybody else. So he's going to do his best to make that happen, and we'll just have to to see how he performs. So 
Yeah, Donaldson is here. The Brewers brought in a couple of other guys. Uh, Chris Roller, uh, they got in exchange for cash. Uh, minor AAA outfielder from Cleveland. Eh, he's 26 years old. He's hitting 222. Had a little bit more power this year, but meh. You know, n- nothing really too much to get excited about there. Greg Allen, another veteran journeyman outfielder, was signed to a minor league contract. He's a guy that the Brewers actually were originally going to acquire in the Jonathan Lucroy trade all the way back in uh, 2016. He's part of that four-player uh, return oh, yes. with Cleveland with Francisco Mejia, uh, Yu Chang, and uh, Sean Armstrong, I believe. So it's it a four-player package for Lucroy. Lucroy obviously exercised his no-trade clause, and the trade at Cleveland did not go through. Uh, and the Brewers instead dealt him to the Rangers for Lewis Brinson, um, who was flipped for Christian Yelich. So I'd say things worked out pretty well for the Brewers. And Greg Allen really hasn't turned out to much. Um, Yu Chang is, is kind of a utility-ish guy, and Francisco Mejia is not really a starting quality catcher. So that, it was definitely a, a sigh of relief, I think, for the Brewers that Lucroy declined that trade. Yeah, definitely. And it it's nice that the Brewers have a couple extra guys in the system that they maybe could call upon. Um, Greg Allen, um, interesting that he somehow was an 8-12 OPS, only playing in 22 games uh, for the Yankees this season, which I didn't realize he had played for the Yankees this season. So I definitely had to do my homework <laughs> with a couple of guys that they signed today. But that kind of goes back to the, like the Brewers love having that potential outfield depth. And so they bring in a couple of outfielders and yeah, okay. You've got them just in case and you got them in the system just in time um, to be in the organization to be postseason eligible. And that that's great. But again, minor league guys um, good to have them around. And if one of them catches fire and you call them up, cool. Um, they're just trying to just trying to add a little bit of depth. Minor league deals are never a bad thing. They're they're no. zero risk. They're only potential positives. So um, nice that they were able to add them. And yeah, we'll see what happens. And this is all only happening so quickly here at the uh, end of August because this is the deadline. August thirty first is the yep. deadline to have players in the organization and be postseason eligible. If anyone's added. Um, after September 1st, they are not eligible to play in the postseason. Now that the Brewers are really expecting Greg Allen or Chris Roller to really play much of a role in the postseason, um, but it just adds some depth um, and, and just some other options to have in case things go haywire, because things can go haywire in baseball from time to time, uh, which is exactly what happened to the Angels uh, this, this past month. <laughs> They go all in at the deadline. All in. They trade top 100 prospects for Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. And less than a month later, they put those guys on waivers. On waivers. And they get claimed by the Cleveland Guardians. So they gave up top 100 prospects for one month of two players who played so poorly. And the entire team played so poorly that they had to wave the white flag on the season. Ouch. Oh, I there there's two teams that like <laughs> I I'd like to see them do well 
just just because it would be like fun for baseball. One of them is sadly like I, maybe it's just me and and you know what maybe we'll just minus Manny Machado out of this, but I actually don't mind the Padres. Like I like a lot of the players there, and I think it's fun when they do well. But also the Angels. I mean, my God, they have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and a bunch of other fun young players and. Like it, baseball would be better if they were winning and in the playoffs and oh, it just every year it felt like this year was going to be the year that like, oh, finally, finally, they, they brought in the right mix of players and they're going to make the playoffs and they started hot and then they faded a little bit, but they were still at least in playoff contention. So they end up making moves around the deadline is like partially to be in contention, but partially maybe to show show, hey, like, hey just re-sign with us this offseason because, like, we'll get you the playoffs eventually. And then, my God, how did that not work out? Like, it seemed like they did the right things, and it still didn't – I mean, it's like the Mets. Like, it seems like the Mets, like, just do all the right things, and yet it still doesn't work out for them. I mean, just – oh, my God. Like, I get that their ownership is a joke, and in that sense, when they, when they fail, it's kind of satisfying just because – it, at least it's a haha to them, but uh, I, yeah. I, I, I wish better for for their fans and for their players, but they, it just never works out for them. I don't know yeah. how it doesn't work out. Same, for them. same thing with the White Sox. It feels like too. They're they're a pretty yes. nice organization, but yep. I mean, the White Sox look like geniuses with that trade of Giolito and and Lopez and and getting those top 100 prospects back. They look like geniuses there uh, compared to the Angels. Uh, but yeah, Sleason, those guys on waivers. Uh, Randall Grichuk, another deadline acquisition. He goes on waivers. Hunter Renfro, former Brewer, old friend. He's He goes on waivers. He ends up going to the Reds. We're going to see him in the division now, so that's fun. Uh, Renfro's having a bit of a down year, at least compared to last year. Not performing as well. So, eh, okay, but he's going to be playing in Great American Small Park uh, over there in Cincinnati. So... Who knows? Maybe he can pump up some more homers. But also, the Brewers don't play the Reds exactly. the rest of the way. So, Hold up. Brewers don't have to worry this. about it. But the Reds could try to vault themselves back up into the standings because they also claimed they, they claimed Harrison Bader and Hunter Renfro, I believe. Yep. They needed pitching, and they ended up claiming two outfielders. But uh, Cleveland kind of uh, beat them to it on the waiver wire. You know who the Reds do play this weekend at home? The Cubs? The Cubs. Oh, so, you know what? Hey, if they if they're going to beat up on the Cubs, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will take that every single day and twice on Sunday. Absolutely. So, right. well, it's funny because they're playing them twice on Friday. Wow, wow, you were <laughs> you were ready on that. You you were quick with that. <laughs> I was, you know, just 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 had to do it. Just had to. It's, no, I get it, man. I get it. Uh, but yeah, so just a crazy waiver wire week with, uh, all those guys getting put on a whole, several other players being put on waivers. And we've seen this, we're seeing this now because the August waiver trade period is now gone. We're down to just one trade deadline. And there, I mean, there used to be the August trade period with revocable waivers and teams would put players on it all the time and pull them back. And some guys would clear, then they could work on making trades towards the end of the year. That's how Curtis Granderson became a brewer. That's how Gio Gonzalez became a brewer. Uh, And and all these guys coming in late in the year. And 
now now they don't have the ability to pull off those kinds of trades, but you can still put players on waivers and let other teams claim them right right here at the end of the month. And now we may see another rule change to deal with that because I mean the Angels are just tanking now. I mean they are out and out tanking. They're just like here take several actual still somewhat productive pieces from their roster. Here's five of them. Just, just dump them and save your salary for the final few months and get yourself under the, the luxury tax. That's all it is. That's why the angels are doing this. Can, can we talk also about how weird it is that the in uh, guardians? Oh, that was close. The guardians uh, claimed so many guys today. Like, it yeah, they also like, claim Matt Moore, who was also on the on that list of guys who was uh, right. who on waivers. Like they they seemed at the trade deadline like they were waving the flag, white flag as well. They ended up uh, trading some guys. Uh, Savali, yeah, was one of the guys that ended up going. Like they weren't that far out of first place in the AL Central, which really outside unless you're the Royals or the White Sox, like you're really not even that far out of first place when it comes to that division. But they waved the white flag early, and yet, like, I get that they're only five games back, but I thought, based off their trade deadline activity, that they had accepted defeat for the season. They're 11 and a half games out of the final wild card spot, so they're definitely not going for that. No, they're, they're, they're going for that shot. division. Yeah, they're the only twins shot are kind of the, a mess, too. Right, but but they claimed so many guys today... Well, or, or rentals, like, why? I, I That was the weirdest thing, part of the day to me. I mean, here, here's the thing. I mean, none of these, like, waiver claims, like, have any, any impact on the other. And just because you put in claims on all these guys doesn't mean you're going to get them. There very well could have been someone ahead of those teams right. who could have put in a claim. So yep. they don't know if someone will. So you put in a claim on all three, and you figure maybe you get one or two. But instead, they end up with all three. And they're like, okay. Well, now we've just kind of restocked our, our pitching staff. It's not going to cost them that much, uh, you know, really for the rest of the month. It doesn't cost them any prospects. Cleveland loves pitching, mm-hmm. um, and they needed some extra help there. And maybe they can run down the, the Twins. And maybe also they wanted to claim those guys to prevent the Twins from claiming them. That because be- the Twins need that pitching help, too, and, and they need those reinforcements. So rather than letting the Twins get them and, and run away uh, with the division, they're going to claim them and maybe chase them down. Because, look, we've seen a five-game division lead er- get erased over the course yep. of the final month. We saw that in 2018. The Brewers chased down the Cubs. Yep, It is possible, especially in that AL Central, where all the teams are kind of crap. Yep. Minnesota is not a a perfect team they're they're not a very great team so they can be chased down and so cleveland's like let's put in claims see how many arms we get and make sure that the uh that the twins don't get any so that that's where i think they were probably coming from they love pitching they're like we're gonna take them we're not gonna let the twins uh, run away with them and i know i, w- I wanted meant more to get to the brewers mm-hmm. but i knew deep down with with how high up in the in the waiver order the brewers were they were not going to get it they, they, they weren't going to get any of those guys. They weren't going to last that long. Yeah, for sure. It would it would be amazing. The the, the uh, Guardians are currently six games under 500. Uh, the Twins are four games over 500. 
it would be, but like you said, only five games back. Um, it would be incredible if they were actually able to chase down the Twins, and that that would, even if they don't, it's kind of a, it's kind of a hilarious middle finger to the Twins to be like, you know what, we're we're not letting you get any of these guys. We don't think we're going to win the division. We don't think we're even going to make the playoffs. We just don't want you to have them. That would that would be kind of amazing if that was the reason that they did that. And not from a purely wanting to be competitive standpoint. But you know what? That's kind of just one of the funny things about a baseball season and how things shake out. I don't know. It just it, that was just the weirdest thing is like as they started going through, here's all the guys that were claimed off waivers. It was guardians and guardians and guardians. It's like, wait a second. I, I thought they quit. Like, yeah. And then all of a sudden they have all these players. Yeah, well, I mean, it's probably because the Twins didn't run away with it. If the Twins had gotten themselves up by eight or nine games, maybe the Guardians wouldn't have even bothered. Right. But yeah, and and that's just kind of a kind of where they're at. So yeah, the Brewers were too far down to be able to get anybody. Uh, but they didn't want Randall Grichik. Randall Grichik was not claimed uh, by anybody yeah. actually. Uh, yeah. They had the opportunity to get him, and and they chose not to. And uh, Man, as I understand it, uh, Randall Grichik has not exactly been playing well since going over to uh, Los Angeles. Uh, so that may be part of the reason why uh, he went unclaimed. So that was, uh, that was another kind of strange thing. Because I, f- I figured, and I believe I saw a report that everybody from the Angels got claimed, but Randall Grichik did not. So now he's just kind of sitting there being like, oh, well, what do I do now? Yeah, we talked about him a little bit in our uh, in our writers chat, and he was a guy that like I I was a really big fan of. Um, he uh, he was one who I was hoping that the Brewers would maybe consider trading for at the trade deadline, um, especially with their history of going and getting guys, um, getting outfielders, acquiring outfielders. Although maybe that's more something from the whole Stearns era a little bit more is really leaning into that whole outfield thing. But um, when we looked a little bit, once he was placed on waivers, take, took a look at what his um, uh, stats were for the season. I'm trying to pull it up here, but it's not coming up very quickly. Um, his stats for the, there they are, for the month of August, he hit a whopping 165 with a 539 OPS. That's even worse than one Josh Donaldson. Yeah. <laughs> for 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 his for Donaldson's entire season, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, 165 with a 539 OPS. He was really good in July. He had an OPS over a thousand. But in June, he had an OPS in the 600s against. Like he's been definitely a roller coaster this season. The Tyrone Taylor special. Yes, exactly. That's what you had also <laughs> mentioned um, in in the in the writer's chat. So he definitely is a streaky player. He's good defensively. So I think that was something the Brewers maybe would have valued. Um, But when you look at what he did after the trade deadline, not exactly a guy that you're like bending over backwards to go and acquire. So not, not a guy that anyone was bending over backwards to acquire apparently. So they they um, didn't even, they didn't even slightly adjust their position on the couch, let alone bend, nope. bend over backwards. Nope, didn't even, didn't even pick up the phone. Nope, not at all. So no. he remains on the Angels while everyone else ended up going getting claimed, which was funny, too, because after 
uh, it was announced that these, I think, what was it, five players from the Angels were placed on waivers. Grichik ended up having, it was either two doubles and a homer or, or, or a double and two homers. Yeah, homer. two doubles and a homer, yeah. That's what it was. Um, so, of course, he ends up finally, for the first time all month, having an amazing uh, game. And that wasn't even enough for players to be like, well, oh, yeah. Or for teams to be like, yeah, we'll bring him in. Nope, nope. Uh, nope. Everyone just let him be. Yeah. And uh, here's a, a shocking uh, development as I'm uh, looking through my phone notifications here. White Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf says that the White Sox will not pursue Shohei Otani this offseason. Oh. Oh, yeah, because because you guys uh, not wanting to be in the Otani race is exactly why Otani's not going to sign with the White Sox. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> I mean, whatever. Not my circus, not my monkeys. So, <laughs> and it is a circus down there on the south side. Um Matt, you heard about this too, the the shooting there at the uh, at the White Sox stadium. Yep. The, some lady brought in a gun to the stadium by hiding it in the folds of her belly fat <laughs> through so the metal detectors. Yep. yep. <sighs> oh, it's not funny because two people got shot. Um, and she was one of them. She got grazed in the stomach because she accidentally discharged uh, the gun trying to get it out of her belly fat. And it ended up hitting someone else that they lived. But it's just so, that, I'll tell you what, when, when I found out that, you know, when we were getting going to get more details on what exactly happened there, that is not what I was expecting. So this has gotten this story, by the way, like it's I, I can't believe this is not coming out more because this has just happened to get crazier and crazier because she denies this. So I don't know. I want to see a picture of her. I want to see the mugshot so we can like see like like how how big is this that we could have we could hide a whole gun in the folds well, of your belly fat I and mean, the metal detector didn't catch it. I mean, I guess I don't totally deny that that's possible, but like now she's denying that that happened. So was there never actually any proof that it happened in the first place? And also Jerry Reinsdorf now today swore up and down that there is no way that those shots were it was possible that those shots happened within the stadium. Within the ballpark, yeah. There are all kinds of reports, and, like, I don't know how, at this point, when there has been this many days since the initial occurrence and now, that there can be this differing of reports. Like, at some point, can we, like, how have we not figured out what's happened at this point? Like, a gun was fired. If it was fired from within the stadium, I'm pretty sure we could figure it out by now. If not, then what what the hell surveillance do they even have? at that yeah. stadium like I, it's it's insane that we can even still argue this at this point the, the cameras don't work they're they're just there for a dramatic effect they <laughs> might be they might they might not actually be operable this the security cameras there who knows i mean jerry reinsdorf is uh is pretty cheap but uh yes. i mean that's true yeah he he just uh promoted their their internal guy chris getz uh to be their new general manager they did not do a a league-wide search 
they did not call the Brewers about David Stearns. They didn't wait for David Stearns' contract to be up to try to call him. Yes, the Mets may be going after him, but, you know, a smart team would uh, wait it out and, you know, maybe at least try to get a chance to talk with him. You know, moving from, from Milwaukee to Chicago is nowhere near as, as far of a move as Milwaukee to New York. So could have at least tried, but uh, no, they, they did not. And honestly, frankly, if I'm David Stearns, I wouldn't want to touch that organization with a 10-foot pole. But, you know, that's that's just me. No, not at all. Um, and uh, again, like I I know it's Chicago, but I, I feel a little – a little worse for White Sox fans than Cubs fans. I'll never feel bad for Cubs fans. It, it doesn't matter how yeah. bad it gets there. Um, but White Sox fans, like, I've I've got no beef with them. I feel like for the most part, they actually treat us well. We treat them well. And even though they're from Chicago, like, there's just something a little they, – they act less douchey. Let's just I'll, – I'll yeah. so The White there's, Sox fans act less douchey than the Cubs fans do. And, and so I, I have – I think there's certainly a, a generational gap with this as as well, uh, just just because of us. Because prior to the Brewers moving to the National League, the White Sox were the main rivals. And like like when I when I talk to my parents about this, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, like White Sox fans just kind of whatever. They seem nice, you know. I have no beef with them, and they're just like, dude, we always used to have beef with the White Sox. Like like they were like what the Cubs are now is what the White Sox were to us then. So it's crazy to. I I have enough of a memory from being a kid of the Brewers in the American League, and I I remember it being more anti-Twins than White Sox, I guess. Not that I wasn't anti-White Sox back in the day, um, but I remember being more of a, like, that being a rivalry. But at the same yeah. time, like, that's... that's the Twins were also good in the 90s. That, right, true. Um, but at the same time, like, that's that's done and gone at this point like it's yeah. it is what it is like the, it's the been, white what, 25 mark. years since the uh yeah. since they switched it's it's been it's been a little bit of time at this point and so like i harbor no ill will towards the white Sox these days and their fans currently i feel like don't act like i said as douchey as the cubs fans do and so like i do feel a little bad for them and how like they're they're not even being given a chance to get better, and you know what? Maybe Getz will be fine. I guess I, but they never they never even tried to bring someone in externally to change that team and change the culture like we managed or, or mentioned earlier. Uh, that like there are players on that team. There's just like an issue in the clubhouse where like it's just that is a more toxic workplace if if you'll put it that way than a lot of other teams and if you if you're just going to keep the same management essentially then how do you expect that to change yeah so i don't know it's i i don't see things getting better there no but uh thankfully it's not our problem uh but it's, it's uh it's fun to talk about and and look here, here's another reason why we get along with the white Sox fans they hate the cubs just like we do Yes, they do. So we can we can bond over our shared dislike and distaste for the Chicago Cubs. We bond over that, and that is why we are friends now. So that's 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 uh, where we're at. So September, Craig Timber is finally upon us. 
final month of the regular season, and then hopefully we have a long month of postseason baseball uh, to cover and talk about. It's going to be a whole lot of fun the rest of the way. We'll keep you covered with everything at reviewingthebrew.com. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.